Broadcasting live, this is KMA Talk Radio, life, liberty, and the pursuit of fine cigars. With your hosts, Honest Abe and Adam K. the Brewmeister. Listen to the show anywhere in the free world at kmatalkradio.com. Good morning, loyal listeners, libertarians, lovers of the leaf, everyone out there in Facebook land. Welcome to another exciting edition of KMA Talk Radio, broadcasting live on the Facebook. Because, well, that's what we do in the time of a pandemic. Uh, I am here. This is episode 389. And uh, with me, as always, the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Honest Abe. You, you do realize you've been on the Facebook for the last five, four or five years. Not just uh, the pandemic. <laughs> yeah, but still, I mean, we're still broadcasting live on the face, on the book face. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Uh-huh. Go ahead. Do your New York thing. Okay. And live from his mother-in-law's basement, it's Paul DeGracco. Hi. I, I honestly believe that's become the highlight of his week every week. Um, yeah. He says live. Yeah. He didn't I'm say live you. from New York, though. Yeah, he did. No, oh, I did yeah. not. Oh, his mother's basement? Oh, yeah. New York. Yeah. Uh, I got the mother-in-law's basement. By the way, Paul, uh, you found your hat. Where was I your hat? I found it, yeah. I, we're, we have different piles of clothes for different places we're staying. So this weekend we're going up to my uh, father-in-law's cabin, upstate New York, and uh, it was in that pile of things to, to bring with me. Was that, so, the, was, was, that, was that the dilemma that delayed the start of the show this morning? No, I, I, this, this, the late start of the show is a, is a personal matter that oh, I'd, uh, okay. I'd like to not talk about. <laughs> did Buzz, did Buzz, did Buzz Lightyear lose a wing? No, he was good this morning, actually. Yeah, my, my son has a full Buzz Lightyear costume that he wore all day. I thought he was going to insist on sleeping in it, but. Uh, Paul, Paul was so proud he texted me at 1130 last night. What? The kids look cute. Come on. <laughs> he texted me the kid's picture at 1130 last night. He couldn't <laughs> wait to <laughs> I'm glad you didn't text me that picture, because well, I would not have been interested. Nobody, you don't like nobody pictures texts you with any kind of loving or feeling moments. Don't worry, pal. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, going <laughs> to happen from Paul. I'm very but, happy about that, too, by the way. But you know what's funny? Adam sends me pictures of his dog a lot. Not, not since I've been up you here. You send but... me pictures of your babies all the time. I don't think it, I really have. That kind, of, it kind of sounds like payback, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> right? Does that just not sound like payback? You send me pictures of your baby. Here, take a picture of my dog. Yeah, exactly. That makes wow. no sense. I mean, it's okay. I, I, don't, I don't mind it. It's just, uh, it doesn't seem like something you would do. Take that, Paul DeGracco. Dog pictures. <laughs> yes, like oh, and you send me pictures of your son on Easter, just walking around picking Easter eggs. It's like, what? Why would I want to see that? All right, touche. Wow, yeah. that got this got strange. Actually, I'm. I don't Dude, even it's know. Been strange. Wow. Welcome right. to the pandemic. <laughs> Show 
Um, so, uh, Paul, how uh, how long do you think you're gonna stay in New York, or uh, have you have you settled on an exit date yet? Yeah, we're we're. It looks like we're gonna probably uh, make our trek up sometime in the next two weeks. We uh, we're we're gonna make the drive and and break it up like we did last time. So do like uh, you know, six or seven hours one night, stop, stay six or seven hours the next night, stop, stay, and then finish off the trip, most likely. What are you coming um, back for? Uh, our house that I'm, I paid a mortgage on for the last two months. I could rent it out? My my home. I mean, I, I don't know. That's where we live now. That's our home now. Mm. I mean, I guess you're right. We don't have to be back there. Stephanie's not working. I'm not working, except, you know, I'm working remote. But, uh yeah, I mean, aside from, uh, I mean, buying a house up here would be uh, double the cost of what my house is if I want something similar. So I'm not ready to make that investment. <laughs> and I'm not ready. I'm not ready to start paying uh, income tax again. Could you go back to winter? I could go back to winter if if I could afford to have somebody like shovel and plow. The, really, what I didn't like shovel about- and plow the biggest problem of winter. Paul, For me, it is someone to do your lawn. How is shoveling and plowing not the same thing? I don't know. I never did it here, so I always did it myself. So that's that's my number one thing. I hate cleaning off my car. I did. I didn't have a garage. Well, I had a garage, but I couldn't keep my car in there. So if I could, if I could garage the cars and and know that my maybe have a heated driveway, know that my driveway would never would never need to be done by me. I guess I guess I could do it. I don't know. I, it's it's weird because okay, I, I haven't really done it. Could do it? Would you want to do it? No. Okay. No. There's a number of I, factors why why I wouldn't want to move. I back. just don't think I could do winters anymore. Well, I for you, it's been don't. a long time, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's just no way I could tolerate a winter season. Mm. Adam, I'd be, like, I'd be like, "What the f is this?" Uh, I'll myself listen. for two weeks. Who lives in this shit? <laughs> <laughs> oh, great, we got alarm. Adam, what about you? Well, I, I know that every time I go off in the, to try and go home during the winter months, the times I have, the moment I get off the plane and I'm not c- currently wearing a jacket, I go, what the hell have I got myself into? Do you Are you a guy that wears, like, jacket, doesn't wear a jacket, even if it's freezing? Oh, no, 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 I do, I do. No, I've got a couple of uh, very nice jackets that I like to wear when I'm up in the state of Michigan during the winter months. Thank you for um, but it, I don't I don't like the heavy heavy jackets. Uh, so okay. I try to get like on some regular just jackets. Is what All I try right. to go. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No. I, I've got a little leather jacket that's somewhere in the closet that I like to enjoy and yeah. So so do you realize that the storm that kind of skipped over you guys? I was gonna bring this up. Yeah. It yeah it it didn't do, do so well here. So we are. Um, a lot of people here are out of power still. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't have... And now the storm kind of went west of us, and it went quickly, but I guess the northeast side of the storm still hit Long Island and blew out a lot of power lines. So there's... And it really wasn't... I mean, it was windy, but it really didn't... It wasn't raining at all. So oh. it, it... A lot of people are without power. I think they said yesterday 100,000 people are still without power. I, and, I heard Connecticut...
All right. So, uh, yeah, so a lot of people are, are still without power. And I know the majority of people don't have Internet. We almost didn't have a show because I didn't have Internet for a while. But we have it back here. My parents still don't have it. And it sounds ludicrous to say, like, oh, my God, we can't live without Internet and cable. But where my parents live, cell phone service is not good. So they, they're, I guess when you're the closer to the water you are, the, the worse the cell reception gets, gets especially for AT&T, because nobody wants towers near their houses. So the more expensive the real estate gets, the less cell service you have. So they, uh, they I mean, AT&T, you have to go outside and there's only like certain corners of their yard where you can actually use it. So when they had power and my mother-in-law didn't, they still didn't have cable. So I had to like sit in the corner of their yard up against the fence and set up a little makeshift office and use my cell phone as a hotspot. So uh, it's it was it's a very strange and slow response by the utility companies and and cable companies here, which is a change from Florida because you know when we when we have issues in Florida, it seems like the power when it, if it goes out comes back right away, especially well, in our area. Well, I, I, they're definitely more prepared for storms and they prepare accordingly. Because they anticipate it. But I think that's probably why the reason you're experiencing that now is in New York, they don't anticipate storms the way we do in Florida. Right, right. It's, it's possible. Abe, you have to unmute your microphone, too, because you didn't mute your microphone. You just turned off your camera. Sorry, we had somebody triple alarm trying to open up. I yeah, we, we heard you, but I ended up... Police uh, call! Able to... mm-hmm. Oh, it was the cops? <laughs> well, no, if you don't answer, they send the cops. Right, right. <laughs> so I had to make sure I told them it was a false alarm. <laughs> anyway, we were talking about how so many people here are still without power from right, what was not really a storm. I mean, it was a storm, but there was hardly any rain even on the whole island and, and just lots of wind. So Yeah, it is, it is a little surprising. It, what's really surprising is how slow they're taking to fix it. I don't know if because, any of our listeners are cause, on. Because it's not like the, you know you guys haven't had hurricanes there before. You know, we, I mean, it's a regular thing here. You usually yeah. get at least one a season. I mean, especially after Sandy, you'd think they'd pick up their preparedness, but absolutely, you know, it was twelve well, years Sandy ago. They don't. Decimated. Yeah, they they forget. Anyway, so that's what's going on here. Real fun. And speaking of almost not having a show, we almost didn't have our guest. Because he didn't. What was the delay? I think, I think I think he's still without power. Oh he's really? Generator. Yeah. Let's get well, him on. Why don't we find out? Yeah. Why don't yeah. we bring him on, Adam? All right. Uh, we're going to bring on our very special guest this week. Uh, currently, the vice president of Natrium and Cigars, uh, Mr. Michael Herkelotz. Uh Mike, welcome back, buddy. How you doing? I have power. Oh, yeah, nice. you got power. It came, it came on last night. Oh, good. Oh, good. Nice. oh man, what a mess. Wow. Where, where are you, good. Mike? Where are you? Connecticut? New Jersey. Oh, Jersey. Okay. Well, so you're, you guys are suffering from the same issues uh, they are here on Long Island, where it seems like a this super one, delayed response. I don't think people realized that it was actually going to hit us. Right. I mean, if I think back to the past storms, we were super prepared. We had batteries and a tub full of water and like, you know, we're ready for whatever's coming our way. And then generally one tree would fall and we're like, eh, okay, we overreacted <laughs> this one. I mean, obviously, you know, it hit on Tuesday, which was kind of a busy day for me. So I was in the <laughs> office uh, and I'm looking out the window as I'm like trying to respond to the immediate crisis of the day. And all of a sudden I'm, I, I call my wife. I'm like, 
you know, we're actually going to get a hurricane in about three hours. He's like, is it really coming? I was like, yeah, start tearing down the chairs and take down the umbrella and I'll be home and I'll be home as fast as I can. And man, it, it, it crushed us. It looks like, it looks like tornadoes went down every block. Trees knocked over. It's really, it really hits. You guys got Uh, it worse than we did here on the Island though, as well. I mean, the storm kind of went right over you, right? I get, you know, I, I didn't see what that final sort of track is. I believe we were on the right side of what would have been the eye. Okay. Um, but you know, it was just, we got mega rain, then that slowed. And then the, these wind gusts would just come and every time they'd like swirl through, you'd hear another thud, walk outside, Uh, see another tree. It was wild, but we made it fun memories, a couple, a couple basement slumber parties. Why not? (laughs) I mean, it could be worse. We could be in the middle of a pandemic. Oh. Oh wait. <laughs> wait well, your company wait. could be closing. Wait. You know, any any number of things could be going oh. on. But hold on, when rip you, shot. When you get to have them all at once, that really develops a certain character <laughs> that uh, you know you can carry on. Have you oh. had more interesting weeks in your life? I have to ask. <clears throat> I described it the other day to my dad. I said, you know, at this point in my life, dealing with chaos and shit storms, um, I, I feel like I, I can do that pretty well. Um, dealing with tropical storms, pretty uh, experienced doing that. Both of them within the same four hour window. Right. A little bit more of a lift. But we got through it. Everyone's safe and healthy. And uh, on we go. 2020 is going to be a pretty much landmark year, huh? Man, I, I'm I'm uh, I'm hoping that whatever else is in store comes in 2020, so we can yep. just yep. just put it to bed. Right. Uh, I mean, uh, do you do you just want to put the dumpster fire out now? No, no, I I like fires. Okay. They keep me warm. Can make marshmallows. You know, <laughs> I don't want to put it out yet. Keeps things interesting. <clears throat> no, I mean obviously the big the big news this week is you know the closing of Nat Sherman after 90 years of the industry. Now, I mean this didn't come as a surprise to you, you know. What I mean you, you you kind of had discussions prior and you knew the possibility was you know things that may have happened. Um, just curious, have you had a chance to talk to anybody from the Sherman family? Yeah, actually, I spoke to Bill uh, yesterday, the day before. He, he, Bill, Bill's the son of Joel, right? Of Joel, yeah, who's right. the son of Nat. So Nat's grandson, uh, the oldest of the three kids. Um, so we spoke yesterday uh, or the day before. It's kind of blending together. Um, you know, he was he expressed a um, tremendous amount of support and appreciation for the work we did and was obviously sad to see um, the outcome because hard we worked to try and find a different outcome. Um but I think, you know, he's a good place. Uh, um, they're all they're all healthy and happy. They were uh, they were with their dad the other day. Um, it was just his birthday, actually, the other day. Wow. Sherman's. Um, so, you know, I think they're living their lives and enjoying summer. And uh, I think there was just kind of a probably a sad end for them to that to that chapter obviously do, do they feel do, i mean obviously i mean obviously the cigarette brands are going to continue to go on so do, do they do they feel at all like it's the end of an era or legacy for them or do they just you know does the fact that the cigarette brands will continue and move on you know bring them any kind of comfort 
Um, I mean, I don't want to speak for them. My my gut is um, knowing how much the store meant to them specifically. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the cigar business, which is is why they hired me because it meant so much that they wanted to prop it back up and make it make it prominent and meaningful. Um, you know, I think there is a sadness, not 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 just for them, but I think also. Um, I think they're a little sad for me because they brought me on to do this work and now, uh, now it's different, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I, I, I don't want to speak for them, but, I, but I, I think there is certainly, uh, a degree of sadness. I mean, 90 years is a long time, almost a century. Mm-hmm. It's a long time, man. It's a long it really time. It's a long time. And if you look, if you look back over the 90 years, you know, there's so much that the brand did for the industry that I'm not entirely sure people, um are aware of but like like share, um, some, share some things that you think the people aren't aware of well for me what, what i think what i think is probably the most impactful contribution um is the idea of an in-store lounge I mean, if you think back when when after nat died the store was on 55th and 5th right across from the saint regis hotel in the middle of manhattan it really sort of catapulted this idea that tobacco could be luxury when that opened the store on fifth avenue after he died when when joel sherman took over the business they moved to 42nd and the store was like 7500 square feet and part of the reason they wanted that much space was to make sure that there was plenty of seating for customers to sit and enjoy what they purchased but if you put that in the context of time that obviously i mean that doesn't seem like a big innovation today but in 1990, you could smoke anywhere. You could buy a cigar in a cigar shop, and then you would leave the cigar shop to go smoke it. There was no, there was no need to host your customers in a store. Right. That was a ridiculous idea at that time. But Joel said, we want the experience of Nat Sherman to be more than just buying and smoking. We want to help uh, control that experience. And so there was never a bar, there was never a coffee shop or anything like that, but, but they had enough space to put seats and a lounge at the time they had the lounge in their humidor that overlooked, um, fifth Avenue. And people still tell stories about how meaningful that was. Now you fast forward to today. If you can't host your customer to enjoy the product they purchase, you're going to have a real hard time competing in the retail space in 2020 uh although post pandemic obviously that that might be a different scenario right but i really think that that knock on wood um that real that real focus on customer and focus on experience that was joel's vision in 1990 i have to believe started inspiring more and more folks to accommodate their customers within their stores uh, but for me, as I look back and think about it, I think that commitment of space and that um, commitment to the experience of the customer was really um, a pretty a pretty revolutionary thing at the time. I mean, to put it in context, I mean, it's hard money, right? It's real estate footage you're paying rent on. And I can, on ma- I can right? I can imagine people at the time, why would anyone want to sit here and smoke a cigar, right? You know, so, yeah, I mean, I can imagine that kind of uh, thought process back then. Yeah. Really, really out of the box. Yeah. Wow. Mm. I mean, considering 1990, you could still smoke in restaurants in most places. Yeah. Restaurants, bars, parks, beaches, Absolutely. you name everything. 
Oh yeah, crazy. So Mike, what's what's gonna happen with the inventory and the brand? Is that I mean, is it because I I can't just see them destroying it. I mean, is it going to get purchased, acquired, liquidated? I mean, well, my my theory is, of course, I'm talking right out of my rear end here. But I mean, I think after things get shut down or whatever, the, the, somebody will still be able to buy the the brand. I don't, you know, I think the brand might be still sellable and maybe acquirable. Am I that am I off base completely? Well, uh, are we going to go on your theories, or can we get back to the facts? Well, we could do a little bit of both. Theories are yeah. fun. Theories are more fun <laughs> than the facts sometimes, you know. But yeah, absolutely, we, there we Facebook wouldn't exist. Right. If people just couldn't go on their theories instead of going on facts. Right. Um, so I, I can tell you what the process has been. And we've discussed this. The let's let's rewind. In 2016. If you said the words Nat Sherman, Nat Sherman meant a lot of different things. Nat Sherman was a person. Nat Sherman was a place. Nat Sherman was a company. Nat Sherman uh, had multiple products under the umbrella of Nat Sherman. And um, I say that because if you if you think of Nat Sherman under the um, umbrella of the Master Settlement Agreement, which is a critical issue as it relates to cigarettes and what you can and can't do with cigarette brands, Nat Sherman was not um, a cigarette brand subject to Master Settlement Agreement. However, after the acquisition of of Altria's acquisition of Nat Sherman, Nat Sherman did become um, a cigarette brand. So that changed things for us. So you know, there's there's still uh, a lot of a lot of um, hypotheses on our rebrand strategy. Very easily defendable, our rebrand strategy for the cigar business was because Nat Sherman became a cigarette. So. As we grew the business, trying to grow a cigarette branded cigar was not a long term winning strategy. Mm-hmm. The only way we could grow uh, our cigar business for the long term was to rebrand to get out from um, what would become a household cigarette brand. And that's very important. And we've talked about that on shows in the past. So now fast forward. Um, if you if. The question now is, what is the future? It's it's what is the future of the people? What is the future of the product? And what's the future of the legacy? Future of our people, which to me is number one. Um, the future of our people is great. Altria is very generous. Um, we tried to find a more favorable outcome that would land people with the transaction. Unfortunately, we we couldn't we couldn't complete the transaction no matter what we did. So that leaves. How do we still maintain? Um, our obligations to this process. And number one, that's taking care of our people. And so we did that. Um, So our people are going to be absolutely fine. They are going to be the greatest graduating class of premium cigar salespeople in the history of our industry, as far as I'm concerned. And I'm confident any of them that want to continue in this business will be scooped up in a moment's notice. Um, next is the product in the inventory. So we are basically doing a, a very dignified liquidation. Um, we're not blowing things out. We're not bottom prices. This is incredible product. Um, and so we obviously need to bring down our inventory levels and sell it all. We're not going to liquidate 
our product, but we are going to sell through it. We're committed to that. So we're offering, you know, great incentives to our retail partners. We're offering great incentives to uh, our retail customers in New York and, uh, and people are scooping up the product. I think, you know, for retail, for consumers, this is a product that they have come to depend on. I mean, they've depended on us through the pandemic. They've depended on us through 9-11. They've depended on our products for, for years. Um, and so you can see them coming in this week and stocking up on the products that they depend on um, to get them through tough moments. So that's a great thing to see. For our retailers, they depend on our products. I mean, you know, we will eventually be a product that, that they're going to have to convince someone to buy something else, or they're going to have to stop selling and replace that revenue with something else. So retailers are also stocking up. We're able to off, offer them some favorable pricing, hopefully give them some some much needed margin, particularly after lockdown and pandemics and yeah. and that kind of stuff. Um, and so we're what we're trying to do is still be good partners all the way to the end. And then that leaves us to what the legacy is. And, you know, we really tried hard to um, to sell and it just there was no way to do it completely um, and to hold ourselves accountable to the goals that we set out in the first place, which is honoring the people, honoring the legacy. Um, and so, you know, the future of the brands, they, they remain out your property. Um, if history but, but, shows but us the, anything, but, but the they brand don't timeless is. Is, is a brand that, that could and would be sellable. Theoretically, I know you've sure. given us the fact, but theoretically, there's no reason why Altria couldn't sell just the brand name and the brand exists. I think that's exist. true. So I think, the, I think the facts are that um, that Altria could sell any brand they want, if right. they want to. Um, of course. But, but at the end of the day, you know, what are they going to sell it for? And what does the money mean to a $25 billion enterprise. Yes, yeah. So again, I don't, I don't see this. I think, you know, when I, when I hear the conspiracies of, you know, they, we did a rebrand in order to sell off the brands. I mean, that is, ab- it's so absurd. It offends me that I worked so hard. I mean, it's, that's just not the case. Right. The, the, the reason we did it was to remain long-term without risk. It's why we did it. Uh, where we are today was not in the cards a year ago. Right. We are where we are today because of a whole host of circumstances that were out of our control that forced us to make new decisions. And then the timing and the, the environment in which those decisions were made was a completely different world. Mm-hmm. Right. We, I want to bring up a Facebook dignity. I want to bring up a Facebook comment because, uh, Carlito Fuente is on right now, and he uh, he he left a really nice note for you that I, I think is worth uh, repeating. But he said, "I heard Michael was going to be on the show today, and I could not miss it." Michael is among the most knowledgeable, passionate, and loved in the world of cigars. I have the highest admiration and respect for him. Have a great show, my friends. Hugs to all, Carlito. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I talked to him last night, actually, <laughs> on the phone, because um, I hadn't talked to him since since the announcement. You know, my first paid gig as a musician in Boston was at a Fuente cigar dinner. No, I was, huh. work, I was working at the at the cart in the Prudential Center Mall, 
and we had a relationship with Paredes, and Paredes was hosting uh, a St. Jude's Children's Hospital fundraiser at the Boston Harbor Hotel, and so Steve Willett called the guy that owned the cart and was like, you got you got that kid over there at the cart, isn't he a drummer or a musician or something? And, and the guy was like, yeah, and he's like, tell him he's got to come play this gig, my, my, uh, my music uh, fell out at the last minute. So we grabbed all our shit and we went to the Boston Harbor hotel and set up and I had just started smoking cigars, you know, about a year. So I was in full, um, fanboy mode. Like really, <laughs> and I was 19. So I was really like fanboy giggly, can't control myself mode. And then like the man, the myth, there's Carlitos one day, but I could have met the president and I would have moved the president out of the way. <laughs> to just to just look at this man walk and shake hands and everything. So I couldn't say anything to him. I was so nervous. So my my group is playing. I think it was a court, it was either a trio or a quartet. I can't remember what we did. We played throughout the night. At the end of the night, um, they handed out Opus X Perfection A's mm. to everyone as the wow. final as the final cigar of the night. And uh, and so when it was done, we were packing up. I finally like got up the the nerve i went over and i said mr fuente uh my name is michael i just started working in cigars and he, he he just stopped me and he said uh you guys sounded great and i said oh thank you so much he said do you enjoy cigars too and it was the first time i heard someone say enjoy not smoke enjoy which i thought was, it really resonated with me and i said i i do enjoy cigars a lot and he reached down to his table he hand picked up three perfection a's and handed them to me. I said, here's one for you and for your two bandmates. And I said, thank you so much. This is incredible. I really, you know, I really appreciate it. And then I turned around and told my bandmates, hey, Carlito just gave me three Opus A's. <laughs> I, I gave him each an extra 50 bucks and I kept the cigars. And I still have them, all three of them. Wow. In my wow. humidor. Does he remember that night? We talked about it last night. Funny. Oh, yeah, he wow. Does. That's great. That's awesome. Yeah. That, that is cool. funny. Always a small world. It, it really is. It really is. So, look, we, you know, I, you don't have to talk about this. Obviously, it's a big question. It's probably one of the things most people are talking about. I'm sure there are cigar shops out there that got boards right now, betting boards. Where will Michael Herklotz land? Right? <laughs> they're, they're taking, they're taking their lines, the spread on it. You know, mm-hmm. my assumption is that you, you know, you, you'd love to continue to stay within this industry that you've kind of grew up in is is that where the heart's at right now yeah you know i mean my my process if i look back over the last eight months we announced um the potential sale in october Mm -hmm. and it has been really full throttle since that announcement then you add to that obviously the challenges of covid and being home and we were on together during this pandemic if i recall Yep. Oh, yeah. checked in and I, I recall even saying then, you know, that I was busy. There was a lot of work to do. Um, so I've I've been so focused on trying to see this process through um, that I haven't had a whole lot of opportunity to contemplate um, the alternative. Should we not have executed what we thought we were going to? Right. Um, so now that we are where we are, you know, it's it's it is certainly forcing me to to start putting some plans together but i still have a lot of work to do you know there's still work to wind down this business 
gracefully and right. and and dignified in the manner that it deserves. So, um, you know, I I can't I can't give you um, you know what my plans are because I haven't had the benefit of time to really put them together. But oh. it's it's hard for me to imagine my life um, outside of this industry. I mean, it's been 20 years. I've, I was 19 when I started in business and, you know, I think people to a large degree would consider themselves grown by 19, 20, 21, but, but you really grow up when you're 20 to your 40. I mean, that's really what, in my opinion, where you grow up because you remember all of it. I don't remember the first third of my first right. years. Right. So it's hard. It's hard for me to, to, to relate to all of my development over that period of time. But as an adult, you are conscious of how you are growing and how, what your curve is and what your experiences are for those next 20 years. And there wasn't a, there isn't a day or a meaningful moment or, or someone special in my life that didn't come via the premium cigar industry mm-hmm. in one, in one way or another, I can link it all back. And so it's hard for me to imagine, you know, going to work for a, a marketing company or a pharmaceutical company or, a, or a, it just, it doesn't, it's hard, it's hard for me to, I've spent every day of my professional career doing something I love to do. It's every day has been an evolution of the day before. Um, and I've been able to make a living at that. And so to even contemplate the idea of somehow having to start over and do something else paralyzes me because it, it's not what has driven me now to 40. Right. What's driven me to 40 is, is pursuing the things I love and I'm passionate about and the rest falls into place. Um, and so I, I have to believe that, that it will continue to fall into place. Yeah, if you haven't had that answer where, uh, because look, anytime you've committed a majority of your adult life to a career, you're in that situation like, what else am I going to do, right? I mean, if I sell my business, what else am I going to do? Right. I mean, it's kind of what i known, you know, for the majority of my adult life, and you never really put yourself in that situation. But then there are those times where you hear people like, I- I'm done, you know, I've spent my thing, I'm burnt out, time to find the next chapter in my life. And, you know, you kind of know when you've gotten to that point, so... It doesn't sound like you've gotten to that point. So. I'm not done. Yeah, good for you. Mm-hmm. Very I good. I mean, you don't have to say you don't have to say who or when or any of that. But have you have you actually had offers yet? Oh yeah, I. We lost audio. We, we lost audio there. He muted himself purposely. He oh, did. he did. How dare he? Man, that was that was too perfect. Oh. That was actually really good. That was actually really good. Well done, sir. Well done. That was great. I was waiting for when I was going to pull that move. That was nice. Well, listen, it, it, it's it's like it's like too premature right now. But I guarantee, I guarantee you. I mean, it's not going to talk about. It, but I guarantee you, there were some feeler calls. Oh yeah, I'm sure. You get the I'm feeler sure. calls. Do you know what though, Abe? Honestly, um, I mean, I, my my phone has been blowing up for the week, but the calls. The emails, the texts, they are, they're not feeler calls. They are just like, hey, man, I'm no, so sorry to hear it. And great that's job. And what, that's definitely there, but there, there's some feeler in some of those. I'm, 
I'll, I'll bet money. Maybe maybe the feelers and come in, in, in follow-up. Yeah, but, I but, mean, look. Uh, but I, I'll I tell text, you, it's been amazing. I, te- I texted you. I said, look, I, I mean, I told him. I, I purposely gave you a day or two because I just knew that that was going to be his situation. I mean, his phone was going to be blowing up in the minute. I, was, I said, I, I, you know, I, I, I sent him some kind words. I said, look, if, if you want to talk, we'd love to have you on this Saturday and, you know, talk about the situation. He's like, dude, I'd love to. I don't have power. <laughs> Give me to tomorrow. Let's see where we're at. Great. Let's see where we're at. Yeah, I purposely gave him a couple of days. It was the first thing I said in our communication. I said, I know you, you know, your phone's been blowing up, but wanted to give you a little breather room before I contacted you. But like that, that message from from Carlito that you just read, Paul. I mean, that is that is the example of of what my last four days has been. And I think I think the the greater population of our employees the same thing. Mm -hmm. Overwhelmed. We did a little happy hour last night um, virtually, just checking in with everyone. And they said, man, it's just incredible. The support and the people just calling, saying, we're so sorry to hear it. What can we do? I mean, you know, to, to hear that really, um, really makes me feel like we've, we've done it all right. We've done it all right from the beginning. And, um, and we're going to continue doing it till the end. You know, what's, yeah. you know what sucks now that you mentioned it? You said, I mean, I can't even imagine. Like, if I had sold my business, I would, like, have one mega party, right? And, you know, the staff, even people who haven't worked for me for years, who, you yeah. know, we still get along with. We I can't even imagine you guys are going to depart and you're going to do it for Zoom. Like, you guys can't even get together to have that moment of closure. I we, just we thought that right now. It. Oh, my God. We were thinking the same thing for the store, too. Like, how can we not? wrap up 90 years of new yeah. york presence with a with a bang and we can't what we a just travesty can't. what a travesty <laughs> it's it really is sad it's tough i you know and it's it's funny because we talked about it one of the first times we had you on since i was producer but you know one of the first premium cigars i had was a nat sherman cigar and the ceo at the time literally at an event that i was i was hosting at uh, 11 madison park he put it in my mouth and lit it for me uh so it and, it, and as a new yorker it, it holds a lot of sentimental value for me as well there there's cigars that my grandparents smoked you know both my grandfathers smoked uh i mean lots of different cigars but but smoked yeah. that sherman and it's a it's an icon here you know going to work in manhattan passing that store almost daily it's yeah. uh it was it was definitely it's definitely a brand that you know kind of as a you know again as a new yorker that i that i hold close to my heart so it's it's uh it's tough it's a tough end to to the legacy for sure as just a, on the consumer side yep but at least we we get to do it gracefully we get to yeah. we get to maintain some control of it we're not we're not you know don't forget 10 10 years ago abe i've heard you tell the story multiple times when when we when we wanted to prop this back up and we reached out to you and we reached out to a group of folks and, and, and asked for feedback. It was about course correcting and then building and growing the right way. And, um, you know, I couldn't be prouder of it. Abe, I hope you're as proud as I am. I mean, if you look back at, if you look at Nat Sherman International's brand, Timeless, I mean, you were a part of, of creating Timeless, yeah. never mind launching it and then supporting it in market you 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 built it as much as i did um so when i look at it now to see wh- where it is after thinking back to that lunch 
that we had nine and a half years ago. It was lunch in the middle of the trade show day, which was unprecedented at the time. Mm -hmm. Like, we got asked, like, who leaves the floor in the middle of a day for a lunch? But wasn't it a game changer? But it was, because you know what the reality of it is? You can't get nobody after 5 o'clock, right? I mean, after 5 o'clock, we're all running around doing our things, and it was really the only way to get us. I can't remember. You had, what, like maybe 8, 10 people, uh, retailers in that room, maybe a dozen? I think the total was about 18 with the Shermans and everyone. I think it was about 18 people. Right, yeah. Um, And that was in uh, in Emerald's restaurant. Actually, I just talked to Emerald yesterday, the day before, same thing. He just reached out. I saw the news. Thanks for the support. You know, it's just... It's great. You know, it's we great. don't realize, we don't realize, because I can, I can see him going through the emotional moment right now, because it happens to me a lot. We don't realize when we work every day how many people that we either touch or interact with, because hmm. I get blindsided by it, too, sometimes. Like, you know, Emerald called, you know, you'd never think of it, right? Because you're just doing yeah. business, right? Yeah. You're, you're booking dinners, you're doing your thing, but you don't realize what those moments or those events were for that restaurant or Emerald's business at the time. Right. Or whatever. And it's in moments like these, you get caught up and you get blindsided. You're not realizing all the interaction, especially over decades, right, yeah. of, of the effect you've had in, with your consumers, business, you know, employees, other businesses. I mean, it's, 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 some, it's moments like these that are really, like, uh, heart-wrenching sometimes. Especially yeah. when you're in this kind of business. You know, you're, you're, you're in the business of, uh, of, of making people happy, basically. You know, you're, you're bringing them... Something, something that brings them joy. Yeah, but don't forget, it's all what. What I think is so crazy about our industry is that, despite the fact that it brings people so much joy and we're so passionate about it, it's just so hard. I mean, God, it's a battle. It's a constant FDA, battle. taxes, state, local regulations. You can't smoke. You're not essential. All you know, like. You got to really love this business to go through yeah. this kind of misery. I mean, you really do. I mean, look, granted, I'm gonna I'm gonna Florida. rethink my answer here. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, listen, granted, we're in Florida, so we have a little, we have one less of a headache than 48 other states, but it's just still a constant battle. It's a constant battle to do your job. You know, and it's right. it's a simple job. We're not peddling. I mean, you can open up a weed store overnight, no big deal. Everybody, nobody cares. Man, you open up a cigar shop, it's like, man, we are Satan. The, the stores around you hate you. The, yeah. I made a post. I made a post, and this is not to take anything away from what the hurricane did up north, but the hurricane really didn't do squat here. Like, I mean, I we closed all our locations, and we were all looking outside, saying, "Why did we do this?" I mean, it was like <laughs> there's really nothing down here, right? We so, got more rain during the rest of the week than we did on the, during absolutely. the weekend. So there was an article in the Palm Beach Post the next day or the day after, like 100,000 people without power and more to come. And, and, and the brunt of the storm was coming Sunday. We closed Sunday. This article is like on Tuesday. said, more to come. More to come from what? You know, I mean, I, I didn't even know anything went through here. So I made some kind of statement like, you know what, man? The media is just becoming literally the most despicable, like lowest end form of of communication in this universe, right? And and, and it become like uh, the National Enquirer is now the standard, right, of news media. And then some <laughs> guy, and this is why I posted on the the Palm Beach Post web uh, Facebook page. And some guy went on to tell me how I didn't know anything, and that tobacco people were the lowest form of lives in society. Wow. Just tobacco people in general. I forgot the words he called me. It was a little more educated verbiage, but you know tobacco peddler or something but i mean it was literally like really holy cow i mean it's just you know i mean tobacco is just like no it's just a 
such a bad thing in today's world with all this other stuff going on. It's mind blowing. Mike's right. The idea of of being so polarized in your opinion that you you can't see another person's perspective in any positive light is just so disheartening today. And and it exists in every single Across platform Across and every and every subject. I mean, I saw I saw someone talk about uh, uh, return to schools. Immediate two sides. You can do it or you can't do it. And and it's this side or that side. Somewhere in one of these conversations, someone brought up Common Core curriculum. <laughs> Boom! It went the other way. And then you're either for it or against it. And I, I mean, I'm like, what is going on between that? politics tobacco like there's there is no middle anymore for no. anything and what i'll tell you it was so great about the the cigar world in particular premium cigars is for most folks like in in the reality of the world not in social media in like real places where real people once gathered and exchanged thoughts and ideas in person um premium cigars are one of those things that in fact, people don't view with such vitriol, particularly like I've, I've worked with Emerald now for, um, God, I don't know, 15 years doing events and fundraisers. And his examples were the perfect examples we did. At one point, we grew it to something like 2,500, maybe 5,000 people. I don't know. At the Superdome in New Orleans, mm. it's a boudin, bourbon and beer chefs from all over people from all over huge fundraiser for emerald legacy foundation we would have hundreds of people lined up to have a cigar cut and lit the majority of which had never enjoyed a cigar in their life and they were like this just smells so good and it looks so fun and it's interesting and i'd like to try it like you know what what an amazing moment to be able to have with someone i think that's so unique for premium cigars that's the piece that gives me hope for the future of this industry, not the jerk off on the Broward County, County uh, yeah, listen, Palm Beach, whatever. You're absolutely right. Like the cigars is somewhat of a leveler. Like, I, I mean, I'm going to tell you, I can't tell you how many times I read somebody who I know's post on Facebook. I, I've made a vow. Like I, I try to stay now completely off any topic. that's just not that anything is politically or, you know, any news topic. I just try to stay positive in my posts. So, I'll see somebody that I know that I'm personal friends with, or I, you know, not personal friends, but acquaintances with the cigar community, cigar world. And holy cow, like I'm, I'm, I'm flabbergasted at how polarized their view is like so one-sided. How could you be this way? And I just don't engage. And you know what? The next time I see them, we're going to light up a cigar together and we just, I'm not, I'm not even going to deal with it. You know, we won't talk about it because we're like totally polar opposites on what we think, but that's his opinion. I'm just gonna let it go. It, it, it takes a little work, man. I find myself typing a lot and then deleting. <laughs> I, I, I I've made that vow. Like see something and you know what? Let it go. No I made that deal. vow a long time ago. Yeah. First of all, I don't I don't engage in conversations on other people's platforms. That's number one. So Smart. I might I might comment. I might say congratulations or something like that. I will never get into a dialogue on someone else's platform. I just think that's rude um and then as it relates to mine it's i i just don't post things ever 
that present an opportunity for polarization. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if, if I present something that has an opinion, um, then it's, it, it automatically extends the invitation for someone to counter what I'm saying. It's opening and that's up. not, and that's not why I share things. I share things to keep it positive and fun and light right. and engaging. So there is never, I mean, you can look at every post I've posted over the last three years. There is no invitation for engagement. It's just meant to be, you know, broad, entertaining, but without debate. Right. And then I, when I, there is a debate, I don't take debate. <laughs> right. We right, go on. Right. Don't take debate. Hey, well, that's listen. a new development for you. Mm. Well, you know, <laughs> I was start, I was starting to say things that become things that I really wasn't proud of. That, that's what it was. And I, I, you know, and I was just getting these debates. I'm like, you know, this is just a waste of my time. I mean, first right. off, look, I mean, we've always said before, you're not really changing anybody's mind. Never. Right. So what, why am I even wasting my breath? It's only to make supposedly try to make me feel better about the situation. Well, I don't need right. to do that. So I just stopped. I mean, I just, I mean, it's interesting to read when you're on the other side. Cause I, I feel the same way as I've gotten older. I, when I was younger and Facebook first came out, I was very political on Facebook and, now I see, like, you know, when they give you the memories of years ago, it's like, nine years ago, you were blah, 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 blah. I'm like, oh, my God, what was I thinking putting this on, like, a public well, forum like that? But you see, that's the way I look at my Facebook page, and I said it before. I, I, Facebook, for me, is a time vault for my kids and grandkids, right? They're going to yeah. look they, – they'll have the opportunity to look back at my life day in, day out, read stuff, catch up. I mean, I, I wish I would have that for one of my grandparents, right? Yeah. That would be so cool. But I don't want to be loaded with a bunch of fighting and yelling and yeah, yeah, and, and whatnot. You know, I mean, it's 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 not what I want them to see. I want them to get a little bit of a glimpse of what who I am and what my life is, and that's how Agreed. I try to look at it at Facebook. I mean, unfortunately, everybody's so narcissistic today. You know, it's it's, a, it's about their only interaction with society. They want to debate or yell and fight with somebody on Facebook. So that's their only I'm, forum. It's not easy, and I'm trying because I, I do have a bad trait. Like I've been compelled my whole life. Like if you do something or say something stupid, I, I have to be the guy to tell you, right? Mm-hmm. It's like I, I I I would die inside if I don't express to you because you know the stupidity of something, and and that's that's a hard thing to overcome. But I'm, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. But but we do have to take a break. Uh, I was about to do that. Yes, but it's okay. I'm doing it for you. Are you all right? Yes, no, I'm fine. I was about to right? say, this portion of KMA Talk Radio brought to you by people in their mom's basements posting comments on Facebook. <laughs> it's time to take a break. Hold on, though, but I want to tease before we go to the break, because when we come back from the break, I want to talk to Mike, because we had an interesting, talking about social media, we had an interesting post yesterday on social media where a guy basically made a comment about Mike, and I kind of thought it wasn't true, and we went a little bit back and forth. It was a discussion. It wasn't a thing. And uh, we, I, we, and we literally said, let's we'll talk about it today and and, and see. Yeah, it. So we we'll, talked about it with Mike right after this whole thing happened, just to tease it a little bit more. Yeah, and got a little bit from him, but I think now's a, a perfect time since it's coming up again to really get uh, Mike's perspective on on what we were talking about on the social media page. It got a yeah. lot of views too, so a lot of you know what we're talking about. So we'll hit okay. that up right after this. Keep it lit. Hola a todos, mi nombre es Elmer Suárez de la Flor de Copán en Honduras. My name is Ernesto Cranwinkel and I'm from La Romana, Dominican Republic. Hola, mi nombre es Diana, soy de Manizales, Colombia. Buenos días, Freddy Molina desde Estelí, Nicaragua. 
Hola amigos, saludos a todos. María Santis, orgullosa de ser puertorriqueña. Cheers. I'm Oliver. I'm from London, England. I love H. Uman Añejo. My favorite H. Upman Dominican cigar is the H. Upman Banker. My favorite H. Upman cigar is the Herman's Batch. Favorite H. Upman is the H. Upman by A.J. Fernandez. Mi cigarro favorito es H. Upman Española. I highly recommend you try the H. Upman 175th anniversary, awarded number 10 cigar of 2019. One world together with H. Upman. Surgeon General Warning. Cigars are not a safe alternative to cigarettes. Welcome back to KMA Talk Radio, broadcasting live here on the Bookface. I am Adam K. the Brewmeister. We are here on this lovely Saturday morning. With me, of course, as always, the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Honest Abe. Good morning. And, of course, live in his mother-in-law's basement, it's Paul DeGracco. <laughs> I and just love that. And, of course, I, I'm glad. Thank you. I do it just for you. And, uh, of course, we are special, joined by our very special guest, currently, uh, for a little while longer, the Vice President of Nat Sherman Cigars, Mr. Michael Herkelotz. Thanks for being here, buddy. Good morning. Good morning. Post -hur Thanks for being here post-hurricane and just getting power last night, too. <laughs> yeah. we, made it, we made it happen. Right. I mean, you know, Michael's job is probably going to go on for a little bit because I'm sure yeah. even after they close things down, there's going to be a little bit tying up to do. So it's not like, you know, he's, you know, it's going to be over for him on a day. I'm pretty sure he's got. No, it looks stuff. like it looks like uh, the end of October. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, we, before the break, we talked about something. When we had announced that we were able to get you on the show this week, because obviously it was big breaking news, you know, about Nat Sherman. And we thought it'd be a good time to get you on and maybe get your perspective, yeah. reply to some comments. Um, there was uh, somebody in our Facebook page who made a post who I had a, just a complete, a little bit of a dialogue with, but somebody wants to ask if you regret making the decision to take sides with the FDA and not with the IPCPR, which is, is CRA or whatever it is now. Um, my reply to him was he didn't, and then we kind of got a little bait. And what, what do you think about that statement? Can you read it again? Yeah, the exact statement is, Ask him if he regrets his decision to take sides with the FDA and not with the CRA and the IPCPR. So I would say that that question is factually false to begin with. Mm -hmm. um, but it's predicated, I assume, on the perspective that Cigar Aficionado wrote in July of 2018, which was also factually false. Mm -hmm. um, and that article was an editorial at the end of the day. It failed to recognize the truth in the nine comments of pages, uh, nine pages of comments that we submitted to the FDA. Um, it, it, in fact, only reported on the first two paragraphs. And despite our request to correct or at least complete the record, um, they refused. In fact, Cigar Aficionado said if we wanted to, um, we could simply uh, post our opinion in the comment section of their website. <laughs> which, that's not how we do business, so we declined. Mm -hmm. And instead, um, I sent out a response 24 hours later. 
um, correcting the record and asking everyone to to give us the benefit of at least reading the statement. Well, no Which, one ever wants to read, Mike. Of, they want to read listen, the headline. We're, we're, head, we're becoming a, we become a society of headline readers. So, so to go back to the gentleman's question, I don't blame him for asking the question the way he did because he's asking it based on false information. He's also asking it deliberately in a way that somehow suggests I sided with anyone. Right. I've only sided with the premium cigar industry. My whole life, that's what I do. And if you look and read the nine pages of comments, you will see page after page after page um, of advocacy for the premium cigar industry that I would argue you have never seen from Big Tobacco. Mm -hmm. So personally, those nine comments, those nine pages are one of the one of the proudest moments of, of my career, the wow. fact that the fact that we think back before 2018, it would be very uh, likely, Abe, that you and me were sitting at the circle bar um, just as as the deeming regs were, were coming out with FDA saying, God, if only we could somehow get big tobacco to say premium cigars are different. Like if there was, how are we going to get our message heard? If they're only listening to the big guys, how can we possibly deliver that message and be heard? Mm-hmm. We did it. We delivered the message. Signed, sealed, delivered. I, Premium I, cigars are different. I think and then the we problem, went through it. I think what the problem was, it was also, they only were able to see one statement they could get past it was, they felt that premium cigars should be regulated. Although differently, they felt, and that's that's all people saw and saw red, right? That's, that it should be yes. regulated. And look, I think that's I mean, right. I mean, look, but, but, here's, but, but, here's but, the reality of the situation. Hang on, what that article said was we were against exemption, which is false, because we also co-authored the Cole Bishop Act, which called for premium cigar exemption. So we were not opposed to exemption, and we certainly didn't fight against it. I say we like it's we. It's not. I don't mean to speak on behalf of the company, but. Um, th- there was no effort to to not uh, exempt. That's just not what we were advocating for. And I think that's an important distinction that people like to to then right. latch on and become polarized. But it is a difference. And and you know, I was actually grateful. IPCPR came out with a statement confirming the fact that we had helped with Cole Bishop, that we had helped support efforts where exemption was included. And, I, you know, unfortunately, you will never get the second story, often the truth, as loud as the first story, which is often false and misleading. That's, um, how, that's how Facebook survives. But you know what, man? It was a great opportunity for us because as soon as that article came out, once again, phones started blowing up and we got to speak one on one to every one of our customers. And it was a long haul. I we spoke multiple times. I remember Abe. Yep. Um, and I think you had a, a, a strong opinion in the beginning, and then I think your opinion evolved as you read more and more. And we're back to doing business. And so I think I think everybody, people, everybody if, can be guilty of a knee jerk reaction, which is what course. happens, right? You get There's a knee jerk. What? Right. Nothing wrong it's with like, that. It's like getting hit with a door 
right? Somebody opens the door fast, it still hurts, right? Bust your nose, and you just realize, hey, you know, wasn't intentional, but still hurts, you know. But I want to make sure I, I, I want to make sure I completely answer the question. So I do not regret siding with the FDA because I have not sided with the FDA. That is a ridiculous right. statement to begin with. I don't regret also working with Altria to craft those comments because it allowed for the message to be delivered. And the message was in keeping with the industry's message with the sole exception that we didn't advocate for exemption. But if you take that piece out and look at what we did, we laid out in language the, the agency understands, we laid out a strategy for a future for the premium cigar industry. And just look where we are today. A lot of what we laid out is coming to fruition, even insofar as what just happened this week with the with the DOJ submitting the, the letter on behalf of FDA saying for some differential regulation and exemption. I mean, the 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 pathway to a definition, the pathway to differential regulation, pathways to um, not doing a one size fits all approach, but rather looking at uh, substantial equivalence and pre-market approvals in the context of the fact that all premium cigars are inherently the same. We delivered that message. So I, I have to feel overwhelming pride that when we look back at, at the, the, the value of those comments to our industry, I think in large part um, were a huge win despite the fact that it would never be reported that way. And I never expect, I never expect people to, uh, to buy into that thought process, but I believe it wholeheartedly. Did you, did you anticipate any backlash when that happened or was you a little blindsided by the reaction? Well, I was blindsided by the article. Mm. There were, there were tens of thousands of comments submitted. Right. No I shouldn't say no two comments are the same because a lot of people just cut and pasted and sent the same comments other people did. But thousands and thousands and thousands of comments were submitted. The fact that ours was reported in the way it was is because a cigar manufacturer looked for, I should say a cigar brand owner, looked for our comments knowing that they would be slightly different than the rest of the industry. Were you an advertiser? Were you an advertiser or cigar aficionado at the time? Bro, hold on. Ask me that in one second. <laughs> the, answer is yes. the answer is yes. Oh, wow. I, 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 I yes. would for sure no. Wow. That cigar manufacturer or brand owner called Cigar Aficionado and sent them just our comments and told Cigar Aficionado that they had to report on it. And then Dave Savona called me and said, hey, FYI, I just sent this. I just posted this article. I called them back and said, Dave, no problem. All press is good press. I'll take it. Mm -hmm. But your headline is false and misleading. And the content of your article is not accurate. You're only talking about the preamble of our comments, not the nine pages. His response to me was, this is the way we are reporting your comments. So I said, could you at least complete our comments or 
at least share the other 17,000 comments on the docket. Mm-hmm. The response was, this is the story we want to tell. Period. The end. So I said, no problem. Thank you very much for the consideration. See you later. And we'll draft a response. The next day, <laughs> Barry Abrams called me and said, hey, Mike, uh, God, what a tough day. Uh, listen, we're going to send out this week's Cigar Aficionado newsletter, but it's it's going to be the, the, the Altria headline. And uh, I noticed that you're the sponsor. Do you want us? Do you want us to wait and put you on a different week? And I said, <laughs> absolutely not. I don't want it to look like I'm being retaliatory or somehow. No way. If this is our week scheduled, it has to go. He did it. So the next day, the Cigar Aficionado newsletter was sent out with the salacious and false headline, uh, Altria Against Premium Cigar Industry. Sponsored by Nat Sherman International. Wow. <laughs> I mean, if <laughs> you can't you can't make it up. I got more emails after that went out. Like, are you kidding me? I said, hey man, we're still partners. You know, we're 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 living up to our end of the deal here. <laughs> wow. That's a long way to answer the man's question. By the way, I hope I did it completely. Oh, I think you did it very well. Absolutely. Because, I, I mean, I, I was guilty of not understanding the full scope of the nine pages. I mean, I, it just, that's but why. you were gracious enough to accept my call. Oh, always. Why wouldn't I? And we spent, I can remember, and then we had just moved in this kitchen late at night. I, I probably got a thousand steps in walking around my table, <laughs> going over it and over I, it and over it and over it. I do that. I but do we that. did that. We did that one account at a time, one account at a time. We didn't lose business. I mean, all this stuff, you know, I saw this coming, you know, after you make a deal with the devil, this is what karma's a bitch, all this. Guys, you know, I hate to break it to you, but it's just not factually true. We grew the business year after year, which is what we set out to do. And retailers who cared enough to read our comments realized that we advocated for them in a way that they were never advocated before. And their message was heard by the people who needed to hear it most. And consumers did the same thing. And I look at our business today. Well, I looked at our business on Monday. Right. And, and man, it is bigger and healthier, and stronger. We've, we've weathered through so many things, including p- people trying to attack us like that. Now we've weathered through a pandemic. You know, it's, a, it's an unfortunate conclusion. But the idea that somehow... This is related to performance. This is related to volume. This is related to the quality and integrity of our products or our people is just false. It's based on no fact. It helps people feel good to be to think that they have an inside scoop of something that they couldn't possibly have had. And that's okay. No problem. If you want to pontificate about opinions that you have, I'm totally good with that. You're entitled to the opinion. You're not entitled to your own facts, though. So all I can do is offer facts, but I offer them here. I don't take the bait on social media when people post ridiculous comments like that, side with the FDA. Well, what what planet are you living on? Come on. I I just want to say that 
I don't think it was, you know, here's the problem. A lot of people felt that way. I think he was one of those guys. I don't think he was trying to be attacking. It's just a story that was fed to them. He learned the wrong information. And and then when we had a dialogue about it, you know, his response was, I'm going to look forward to listening to the show. I always like to learn something new, which is the way I think everybody should be. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, I had a knee jerk reaction. Mike got on the phone with me the next day. And we talked, like he said, for a long time because, we don't understand all the facts, and we're so quick to make the decisions. And one of the things I teach, try to teach everybody working with me, is don't jump to the conclusions. You know, get and before you come into my office with something, have all the facts. Because if I start asking you questions, well, well, I don't know. Well, why are you here? Get the facts. So, so it's yeah. Hard, but it's but the problem, Abe. Again, I don't blame. I maybe I sounded angry when I said that about the gentleman that posted. I don't mean to say, to say that. He learned the wrong information. And yeah. the problem is you can't get all the facts when the facts aren't provided. Right. So the only person who has the facts are the the docket record that has all nine pages mm-hmm. uh, and me. And if you're not willing to, to find the comments and you're not willing to call me, right. then you're only going to learn someone's opinion, which we know will be editorialized. Which and, is, you know, very few places offer these sort of um, 30,000 foot perspectives. I think um, uh, John McTavish did an incredible job when those comments came out about just reading the comments and then reporting on on uh, developing palettes, just reporting like, I don't see what you see. This is what I see. And this looks awfully good to me. And and Coop did something similar. Charlie did something similar on Half Wheel. L- looked at it and said, "This is this is the overreaction is not based on fact. The overreaction is based on an editorialized opinion that is misleading." The problem was it was the first and loudest voice, and that's the way things go in everything. And, in and everything. more and more so today than ever, right? Oh, mm-hmm. even that's, worse. That's what's going on all over today. But it is Coop, what it is. Coop's posting McTavish's article right now on our feed. We so just anybody it. wanted to read it. Yep. He just shared it. So what a great what a great piece. Mm-hmm. And he got a lot of shit for it. That's the other thing. Then people started attacking him for his piece. I mean, how ridiculous. The guy reported on the facts, but it didn't fit the perspective or the opinion that people had already formed. And the poor guy got got ridiculed for no, it. we we only want to hear stories that conform with our opinions that's yeah. the problem <laughs> I, I have a i have a thing now i listen to cnn every morning um in my car uh and then i i read um uh wall street journal which i think is a little more middle mm-hmm. and then i try and either watch or listen to um brett bear on fox those are my like three pools that I try and get. And somewhere in there is what's really happening. It's the truth, yeah. Wait, but, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe somewhere in there is the truth. And if it is the truth, you probably are making it up because you got a piece a little bit from three yeah, different exactly. sources. Yeah, yeah. Because no one source is telling you the truth. Right? I actually, I, I try to spend more time just watching hearings and testimonies so I can at least hear people. I want to hear it coming out of their mouth so I can form my own opinion. Abe, I think you muted yourself. <laughs> sure did. Yeah. Yep. My, my gut keeps rubbing this switch against this table. So um, <laughs> there's a switch on the cord. That's why. But um, 
Yeah, I mean, you'd rather hear it right from them than than get an opinion from a news reporting on it. I'm the same way. Yeah. Yeah. So just to change ideas. So, Mike, you probably had a lot of time to just sit back and reflect on your time with Matt Sherman this week. What would you say is your greatest success uh, over your time with Matt Sherman? Wow. Great question. Somebody uh, woke Adam up. Great question. I think it's a broader success mm-hmm. of um, of people. Like mm-hmm. um, when I think of how the success of Nat Sherman International, specifically, obviously the 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 sort of resurrection and and redo of the retail store and of the town uh, of the uh, of the wholesale business. So many people grew as a result of our growth. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we had we had no field sales force. Well, at this point, we have uh, eight. But if I think of even all the alumni that have come through, um, we had a real meaningful impact as, a, as an organization on people's ability to grow and then go on and do other things or remain with us today where they will then go on to do other things. Um same with the store. When I think of how many people have worked for us over the last nine years and really over the last 90 years, let's face it. But you asked particularly in the context of me, mm-hmm. um, you know, we've had a lot of people come through our organization that have then left to go on to do things that are amazing. And um, and then I look at the even the wholesale side, working with the the um, Casada family, the Placencia family, being able to work so closely with them, build their business um, you know, I, I have to believe that that um, some of our uh, headlines and our coverage and our ratings and our reviews, all of that also helped um, build awareness and and um, loyalty for Placencia and Quesada as well. And uh, so for I, I just feel I feel a tremendous amount of gratitude just that that we were able to provide this platform where where people came out better than they came in. And obviously our organization grew too and the business grew and I'm proud of the products and I'm proud of all the fundraising that we've done. And that's probably a close second mm-hmm. is not just the, well, we grew people, but we've raised so much money in the last nine years. I mean, millions and millions and millions and millions and millions and millions and millions over the last nine years from Emerald's fundraisers to, um, uh, fundraisers in, in Florida and private fundraising events and uh, City Harvest and Meals on Wheels and Thomas Keller's charity events that he does. Um, our 85th anniversary cigar was 100 percent a fundraiser where we donated to um, City Harvest in New York City and local food banks in every market that we did um, events in. You know, something so simple as this has the ability to change people's lives by raising money. And it's so easy to do. Uh, I mean, I, I've tried to go back and add it all up. It's, it's, it's tens of millions we have contributed to in these auctions and, and fundraiser dinners all around the, the, the country for nine years. You know, that's a, that, that's not a big, that's not a billboard legacy, but just uh, still something definitely to be proud of. That's oh, something really to be proud of. Yeah, definitely. Which I guess really I guess also ladders back to people. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you're talking about a lot of people's lives that were positively affected because of the money that we were help that we could help raise. So in that same vein, 
as you've looked back now, what would you consider your biggest failure? Probably siding with the FDA. <laughs> uh, you, know, you know, there's gonna there's gonna be an article Someone's tomorrow. Michael Hurtcock admits so. with the FDA. No problem. I expect nothing less. No. Uh, my, was it biggest regret or biggest failure? What did you ask? Fail, failure or or regret? You know what? Both. Regret, regret may be an easier word. Yeah. Right. Regret might be the bigger word. Yeah. Um. I don't have a lot of regrets. I really don't. I, I think I, I wish I was um, I wish I'd spent more time on the floor in the store. Mm-hmm. Um, the, pro- the the good news was I didn't have to because mm-hmm. the team was is just so strong there. And I ended up having to commit a lot of time on growing the other side of the business, building up the wholesale side, building up a field sales force, working with the manufacturers, et cetera. So I really didn't get to spend a tremendous amount of time day in and day out on the floor. Um, I'm actually, that's, that's my plan to try and get some of that time in now as we start winding things down. Mm-hmm. That's a bit of a regret. Failure, um, you know, I think the early development of our brands after Timeless, mm-hmm. um, I failed to recognize... Uh, how important the continuity of brand to brand familiarity was. Um, so if you look at the portfolio prior to rebrand mm-hmm. and you put all our products on a shelf, look it great. Looked, well, yeah. prior to rebrand, it looked like a cigar shop. It didn't right. look like a portfolio, a, a recognizable portfolio. Right. Um, so that was certainly a failure in hindsight that we were able to then correct with rebrand to then pull it all together, which made rebrand so incredibly successful. Right. Yeah. Very good answer. Yeah. I will accept you, that. You got Coop on today? Uh... We have uh Coop is on the call. I just, uh, Coop, you have to unmute yourself if you want. Join, to, uh, joining join. us from his garage with a fake background of uh, his living area. Mr. William Cooper live from North Carolina. Coop loop. What's going on, buddy? Hey, uh, good morning, everybody. Good morning, Mike. What's up, Coopster? Hey, uh, I don't know why I'm on today. I think you guys covered everything, right? <laughs> no. Honestly, honestly, it wouldn't feel like a show if you're not on it. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, Part of yeah. the team. Yeah, it was, uh, Mike, you know, it was a very, uh, you know, first of all, you know, I know we, we had an opportunity to report the news on that. Th- thank you so much. I would have traded it for another 40 years in that sermon. I'll tell you that straight out. I appreciate that, but I certainly appreciate you reporting it, you know, fairly and and honestly. You know, that's that's valuable to us. No, I appreciate. It. You know, it's interesting. I called um, my dad the next day after that came out, and my dad, Mike, and I appreciate all the support you've given me. I know I've talked to you about my dad, so thanks on that as well. Of course. Uh, but he's he's doing well, and uh, he, you know, and I told him basically he knows what I. My dad sort of knows what I do. And my dad said, I know. Sorry, I didn't want to ruin the flow, but no, no, no that's okay. Uh, and you know, my dad's like, you, you know, I told him that Sherman was shut. And up until a few years ago, he, I think he was still going into the townhouse on a semi regular basis. And, and, he, and he said to me, He goes, You know, I've been going there since I'm seven years old. He goes, My, he goes, my dad, his dad, 
used to take him there as a kid. I mean, and this is before, you know, anything crazy. And he'd be in that store. He said, I, I had to be in that store at, at seven years old, he told me. Well, <laughs> wow. And it was just like ama- amazing when you th- th- think about it. And I thought about that. I'm like, wow, that's, you know, that's that's going almost 70 years, you know. So, y- yeah. So uh, he was very he was very sad, too, um, on that, too. So, uh, but, uh, no, Mike, I think, um, I think, you know, it's, uh, like I said, I think we're going to, hopefully, we're going to see you around, right? Even whatever you decide to do, I'm sure we're going to see you around. Yeah, you know, I, I told the guys my plans earlier, but I think there was just a little bit of an audio problem. <laughs> <laughs> Where, what exactly it. he's doing? Yeah. Adam, Adam wanted to know if you're going to go back to, on tour and start playing drums. Yeah, no, are you going to back on tour? Yeah. Negative. Are, are, are you, Negative. Are, are you going to take over the PCA? That was my question. <laughs> oh, that, was, that one was that one was posed. Actually, that that was out there. You know, it's I haven't I haven't really gone down the rabbit hole of of catching up on yeah. the the comments on posts yet. You know, I kind of I saw them early on. I saw things kind of like starting to hit, and then you know I spent more time on my phone and and just talking to people rather than going back and reading. So I haven't. Someone someone called me the other day and asked if, if it's true I was going back to Davidoff and I said I had I hadn't heard that but uh, you know if it's true <laughs> let me know that would save me some time um, I mean it's a, I hadn't heard this PCA one but that sounds that sounds it you know he was afraid to say interesting <laughs> he was almost going to say interesting wouldn't I think it's all interesting we just need to you know I need the benefit of time to start seeing what's what. But first, first things first, there's still work to do, you know? Right. Yeah. I want to ask, how's your family taking it, right? Because I'd, I'd wonder how my wife would handle that situation. Because everybody, everybody's wives have different reactions. Is she, is she concerned? Is she wanting to know your decisions? Or is she just going out about life every day? Well, my, my wife works full time. Um, you know, she's, she's got a great job. So I don't, we're, we're certainly not worried like oh my god what are we gonna do no no but uh, is, is it is it something that you know you guys are having she's, questions about i mean you know i know you're I a family guy so she, yeah she's in, she's in a she's in the same position i'm in because she's been doing it with me the whole time you know i mean like since october she's been she's one of the only people in the world that has the inside scoop on on you know Who's at the table? What are the pros and cons? What, you know, how are these deals going to work? So I think she has as much transaction fatigue as I do at this point. (laughs) Um, But I also, you know, I think she's also heartbroken like I am, you know, like you. the, the, The last nine years has been hard work. Like it's been a lot of fun and a lot of meaningful relationships. It's been a ton of fun, but it's been hard work. And so to do all that work year after year for the sole purpose of this long-term vision and plan to then have things fall apart where you're forced to sunset something that is healthy is just a really emotional um, thing to do. And I think, I think she relates to that. I think she sees it in me. I think she feels it too, because she worked as hard as I did, right? Every time I right. was on a plane or in the Dominican or wherever I was, I was right. I was doing, you know, at least a couple days a week for the last two years, gone. And she was picking that up, covering right. for me while working full time. This has not been an easy nine years. 
right. so I think I think she's you know she's equally sad, but she's also my biggest fan. So you know when I'm thinking like you know, God, what am I gonna do? Her response is, whatever you do, you're gonna do great. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything you do, you Good do woman. great. And Good so woman. you know, don't worry about it. We'll figure it out. How did you do me? She, at a cigar event. Oh wow! There you have. I was I was teaching. I had just gotten to the Davidoff store in Columbus Circle, so I was working at Madison Avenue, 2002 to 2006. Um, Davidoff bought the store in Columbus Circle and moved me over as GM in 2006. At the time, I was doing a lot of seminars for the American Sommelier Association, doing cigar education for sommelier students. Mm-hmm. Um, so I took those courses with me when I went to Columbus Circle, the admin for the association was Tiffany's uh, either former roommate or best friend or something. I forget how that all worked. And Tiffany worked across the street from Columbus Circle in an office. So when I held um, one of the cigar classes for the wine students, the admin, her name was Eslaine, called Tiffany and was like, hey, my friend Michael is doing this cigar tasting, an event at Davidoff Columbus Circle right across the street. Why don't you come? And Tiffany was like, that sounds awful. Like, I'm going to be in a little room with a bunch of cigar smokers. <laughs> nah, I don't know. Wow. And then, and then uh, but she ended up coming and we met and I invited her that, that night. I invited her to lunch the next day. And that when was it. When you say I invited her, you mean you asked her to lunch? I asked her to lunch. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know if you were having like a function. And I oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. I asked her, I asked her, can we have lunch tomorrow? Wow. You were smarter than me. You went right to lunch. Mm -hmm. I asked my wife to go to dinner on our first interaction. She said, absolutely not. Did she really? I did not know that. Oh, yeah. She said, no, but you can take me to lunch. You see, it's something about lunch. We we did our first three dates in lunch, and I said, can we get together again? And she's like, are we done with the lunch thing? Smart girl. And I was like, yes, ma'am, whatever you want to do. And then then she stuck it to me. She's like, perfect. How about Sunday brunch in Union Square? I'm like, oh. <laughs> yeah. So I got what and I then, deserved. And then Le Cirque for dinner. Yeah. <laughs> lunch seemed to be some kind of safe, safer field of play, I guess. I don't Maybe I, because I never I knew I would like never think of leaving work in the middle of the day to go have lunch. You know, I mean like what? But yeah, lunch seems to be a little bit of a safer play, I guess. Maybe because if if the date doesn't go well, they still have the rest of the work. day to make up. You, you know, got to go back and work. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. I never thought of it that way. Smart man, Mike. That's true. Yeah, you can get out. You can get out of it quickly. Oh, I got to get back to the office. Yeah. <laughs> you know, after dinner, you got nowhere to go. It's like your place or my place, and she's looking at you like neither. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's enough. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. That's. Funny. Oh, that's a cool story. Yeah, that is great. Uh, well, all these years, and I didn't even know that. That is fantastic. Your your uh, wife is commenting, Abe. She said, "My wife." Females love on high alert. She's saying. I, I think I think she's meaning that women are always on high alert. So yeah, oh, my wife safer. Listen, my wife was definitely on. Well, first off, I mean, I even I, I think I met my wife when I was twenty six, but I looked like a thirty five year old pedophile, right? You know, I mean. <laughs> Listen to me. I'm not kidding you. Our first interaction, my wife carded me. Really? Yeah. When I told her how old I was, she did not believe me. She asked to see my driver's license. (laughs) Yeah. True story. And then, and then, um, 
I had to take her to lunch. And then what made it worse was I may have told the story if I have next to me, but our first dinner date, it was a really high end Italian restaurant in Jupiter. I mean, thank God the chef was a patron of our cigar shop because you can't get in there, like, especially during season. Forget about it. Mm-hmm. Guy hooked me up with a table for two. I called him, Abe, hey, whatever you need, got me last minute table for two. I'm going on my first date with my wife. This is all great. Not a cheap restaurant, you know, barely making any bones at the time. And I get, I, I'm literally, I get a call like, you know, an hour before the dinner. Um, yeah. Um, I'm my, my roommate and her sister kind of got nowhere to go. And I kind of invited them. Would you mind if I bring them? <laughs> and? Was, what? <laughs> and? What a, I called up the guy. Dude, can you put two more chairs at the table, please? I'm so sorry. I ended up taking four of them out to this expensive-ass dinner, right? And then they, we started drinking, and then, you know, then they wanted to come over to the house. I'm like, oh, this may get interesting, maybe. Right? <laughs> I didn't even get a good night kiss that night. <clears throat> wow. Yeah, she says she did, but she made a cheek one. That doesn't count. You didn't no. even get a good night kiss that night. So, yeah. From, from any of them? No, right? <laughs> I would have taken one from the friend, right? From the sister, whatever. Man, yeah, all that. Where's the, that was, where's that the was gratitude? First, that was our first dinner date. That was our you know first what, though? You're, I learned. And, 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 that, and that friend tells the story the same way, except she's like, yo, my friend's cousin had this first date, and I was like, wouldn't it be funny if we tagged along with him? <laughs> Probably. And they're married. Brandy, Brandy insists that she kissed you. Yeah, on the cheek. It was a cheek kiss. Trust me. She went home happy with her friends in full. I was in the fetal position that night. I remember clearly. <laughs> at, at least at least she didn't bring her roommate and friend to French Laundry. I mean, in, in, <laughs> in the, in the grand true. scheme of things. Please, true. yes. It was a, it yes. was a good play. You got to take out yes. a loan for that. All right, so uh, Coop, what's going on in the news this week, buddy? Um, so there was some news on the FDA front this week, and if folks heard, there was a letter uh, submitted to a court in Maryland, and it was the court in Maryland that basically ruled that the cigar companies would have to have their substantial equivalence filings, which is what they need to stay in the market. Uh, those filings were going to be due on September 9th. Um, in that letter, the FDA – the FDA is basically overwhelmed right now. They, they can't handle – anything right now especially with covid so they have in that letter proposed a deferment option for cigar companies which would be considered on a case-by-case basement a case 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 case-by-case basis um for deferring the filing of those applications it's not clear how long the deferment is or anything or what that criteria would be but it's it's outlining a plan and that's i guess that's meant to offset some of the um sc workload they're expecting to get in september um, there were also a Isn't it other- interesting that they want to lighten their load, but meanwhile, every cigar company has been crippled with work trying to prepare for this very thing, it, and, it's, uh, it's and un- they're worried about yeah. their workload. This has happened every time. Yeah, it, you're 100%, Mike, right on that. It, it, it's absolutely – I have uh, to think that if you read their submission to the judge – I can't help but wonder if Meta will use this um, to throw this whole thing out 
Which because is the other court case. That's the D.C. Court. Exactly. Yeah, yes. But he's, he has used their actions against them because what they continue to fail to do is use data and science to inform their decisions. Yes. They're not using that. And that's why Meta has come back favorably to the industry, particularly as it related to warnings. But I can't help but wonder, is this teeing up an opportunity for Meta to look at their opinion, meaning Justice Department and, um, and FDA, that their workload is more important than youth access and um, public health risk, which suggests that th- they are confirming that we don't pose a risk. And there is no data and science to the contrary. And if all that is true, I wonder if this gives the other lawsuit new credibility to present to a judge to say this is nothing but arbitrary and capricious and it deserves to be out. Mike, in this letter, um, they actually said, uh, the FDA said, because FDA's current information indicates you smoking premium cigars because it's comparatively less than most other demeaned tobacco products like e-cigarettes, premium cigars remain the FDA's lowest priority for pre-market review. That was in the article. I mean, and in the letter. The critical, letter. critical to that letter is yeah. using the words premium cigars. And they mm-hmm. define and they define the premium cigar for the FDA. That's right. Yes. And that definition matches the definition that has been shared by the majority of premium cigar manufacturers, both in ANPRM submissions and in all the subsequent comments and filings. So I believe that that letter has an underlying value that is basically confirming on the record the belief premium cigars that fall under that definition are different, period, hard stop. And if that is true, and they are unable to provide the data and science to demonstrate the risk, which they don't have. I have to believe that the talented lawyers that PCA and CAA and all these folks have, I have to believe they will be able to craft a valuable message to Meta that should result in a significantly more favorable outcome than the, than the one we're in today. And if it's not exemption, I imagine there will be an outcome for um, profoundly differential regulation, which I think is a is a great win. Well, mm-hmm. they, there you go. My last thing in the letter is they said, once again, they're undertaking a new research effort in regards to premium cigars to public comment again. So they're going back saying, well, yeah, we yeah, we got to reevaluate premium cigars again. I can't see Meta going back. I mean, I don't want to put myself in the judge's shoes, but I can't see with that out there from the FDA, he's been very frustrated with the FDA for exactly that point. Like, you guys still haven't figured this out yet, and you're, mm-hmm. you're ready to impose this stuff on, on the industry. And then it's presumable yeah. to, uh, to, to then think that the lack of action and regulation is obviously then preserving the risk for all these young people, mm. right? But they recognize that there is no risk, which is why they're willing to take their time. Yeah. And mm-hmm. if that's true then the basis of the argument for regulation in the first place is flawed. Yep. And now the FDA has just admitted that through a letter directly to a judge. Yep. I think this is a huge, huge opportunity for our industry to package this up and put a ribbon on it 
and deliver it to a judge that's already demonstrated that he's fair. Right. If we didn't have our stuff together in an argument, he, he went against us. But when our arguments were based on just the data yeah. and science and not emotional, he fair he judged in our favor. I have to believe this is a huge opportunity to button this up. It's weird because he Meta, the judge in the D.C. court, um, can't change the date. That's controlled by the Maryland court ruling. So it's kind of an interesting thing. So what does he do? Does he throw this out is a big question. And I think he's committed to getting an answer back to the industry before the September date. So it's going to be really interesting. The Maryland court, at the same time, they, I guess they're giving the plaintiffs an opportunity to respond to this letter as well. So it's not quite clear if this is going to be able – if the FDA is going to be able to move forward with this. But, Mike, I think to your point, this is this is good – this has to be considered good news right now. This is not a bad thing what we're hearing. We just need to use this in a, in a, in a, in a, in a way that can, can, can help affect some kind of result. Because it's a very yeah. important, yeah. very important letter. Agree, agree. One hundred and ten percent, absolutely. Yep. Uh, we hopefully will hear more good news out of this in the near future. But what else is going on this week, Coop? Um, so no surprise, Espinosa Cigars has canceled Lazona Palooza twenty twenty mm. um, due to the pandemic. Uh, I don't think anyone was really surprised by that news. Um, and they're going to announce some sort of again what most of the events are doing a virtual component. Uh, for that sometime in the future. So I think uh, uh, a good decision, right? I think most Espinosa people I saw the feedback on were understanding on that one. Um, and, you know, it's just not going to happen this year in South Florida. And not to mention the Tampa Cigar Bash also got canceled this week. Oh, I didn't hear that. Oh, yeah. No, they canceled the Tampa Cigar Bash. I yeah. didn't hear that either. Yeah, yeah. Monte Cristo canceled the Tampa Cigar Bash. I saw that yesterday. Oh, wow. So I think now I look at that... Um, then the big questions out there are still the big smokes in uh, Miami and Vegas. What's going to happen with that? And, and uh, I think they, I, I don't know, especially Vegas. I don't think Vegas is open to do something like that yet. So, or, or anytime in the near future. Very true. Yep. TPE uh, is TPE is still in the state of uh, limbo, right? Um, they they haven't canceled it. They're talking. They're having conversations with, with some of the exhibitors, I can tell you that, and getting imp- a lot of input. They've been very transparent throughout the whole process um, in terms of that. But um, the thing that why, why TP is now a big question is the Consumer Electronics Show, which is in that same facility right before TPE, they've canceled their event right now. Oh, wow. So, well, granted, that's a bigger expo. Much One of the biggest expo. in the country, I think. Yeah, I don't know how they were going to do that, but it's still – I don't see – I have some some people on the ground in Vegas I talk to, and no one's seeing anything on the short-term horizon for conventions right now. There's people who do business, and they normally like they get work orders and things like that for these conventions, and nothing's happening right now with that. So, yeah, it's a little early for TP January, but I think we're going to really start to see some decisions made soon on that. Wow. Good. January's right around the corner. I know it doesn't feel like it, but, man, it comes fast. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, definitely worth worth kind of keeping an eye on right now. Mm-hmm. So what else happened this week, Coop? A um, couple of there was some product announcements this week. Um, Boutique Blends, that's the company uh, by Rafael Nodal that owns Aging Room. Um, he's bringing back uh, the Oliveros Grand Returnal, um, which Oliveros, if, if folks don't know, that was Rafael's 
like one of his uh, brands he had before he even formed Boutique Blends and Aging Room and before, before he became part of Altidus. So he's bringing that brand back. Uh, the, the cigars have gone through an extra aging process, so they've been rolled and they've been sitting for a while. But Oliveros kind of was put on the uh, side as um, Raphael was kind of working with Altidus and getting his distribution uh, in line with Altidus. So those are going to get ready to be released. And those are cigars that are being made out of the Placencia factory in um, Nicaragua. So I've always, I've always, the Oliveros brand I go back with a lot too. I've, I used to smoke those years ago. Right. Really good cigars. So um, I'm kind of, I think now I guess Raphael feels it's the point in time to bring bring that brand back in right now. Yeah. Interesting. Yep. So uh, what's happening on cigar-coop.com this week? Uh, it's actually a very big week. Um, so we have two big shows this week. Uh, Tuesday, uh, Cynthia Fuente is going to be our guest. Oh, wow. And Thursday, Rick Rodriguez of CAO Cigars is going to be our guest. Mm-hmm. Um, both people I've never interviewed before. Um, so you're going to stay tuned. I have reviews coming out from both Steve Saka uh, with his Lancero and Nick Malillo with his Menelik. So there's a lot going on. And then uh, kind of culminating next Saturday is the, ten- is the official 10-year anniversary of Cigar Coop. So, wow. So oh. it's actually next Saturday is the official day. Nice. Congrats. Thank you. Thank you. Uh huh. And what's gonna what's gonna culminate with the entire tenth anniversary? Um, I'm finishing up the ten year anniversary series uh, on Friday, which has been kind of the history of Cigar Coop. But it will be an appearance, I guess, on KMA next week. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, the original the original plan, what I was I had in my mind, like a, almost a year ago, is I was gonna go to New Orleans that weekend and do a show from New Orleans because that's where Cigar Coop started with that mm-hmm. trade show in New Orleans in 2010. That was like the original long-term plan. Uh, obviously, that's not going to happen now with, with COVID. So uh, that, guess, That's but, where I first met you. I wasn't sh- I'm not sure it was the first New Orleans one or they had one like two years we, later. We, we met at the dinner, the Drew Estate dinner. We were sitting with Saka. Was that the 10 one or the, the, the 10 13 one. one? Okay. It, it was the 10 one where we were in that restaurant. It was like an upstairs restaurant. Yeah, yeah, it was the, uh, yeah, yeah I know exactly where it was. Yep, yep. Uh, I can't remember the name of it. But it was a good restaurant, but I was sitting, like, literally you and Saka was sitting. I, one of you, I think you were next to me and Saka was sitting across from us. Wow. I yeah. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was, I remember that very well. Huh. There All you right. go. It is trip down memory lane. Quality stuff. Excellent. Yep. yep. <laughs> All right. So, Coop, right. what do you got going on for the rest of the weekend, buddy? Um, I, I am leaving the city of Charlotte tomorrow. <laughs> That's going to be a first. Uh, my son oh. Peter is going back to App State University. Um, oh, he has oh, they to have back. school. Well, he has an off-campus place that's paid for already. So, he, <laughs> but he is wor- he has a he has a job lined up there already uh, during the semester. So that's why he's going back up there. So, but we, they're not having classes in the classroom. It is undetermined yet, is what he wow. has told me. He mm. said there may be some classes that aren't going back. Uh, regardless, he has to go back up there for the job that he took. Um, so, it's big for me because I have not left the city of Charlotte um, since this started. So. Uh, this is gonna be my first trip venturing out of there. Oh, uh, wear a mask, week. you'll be fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly what I said. Sure. <laughs> well, good luck, buddy. Thank you, thank you. So I'll be uh, tomorrow. I'm doing that, and I'll be back Monday night. Excellent. Very yeah. nice. Yep. All right. Well, it's that time, Adam. All right. Let's see this week who belongs in a cigar insane asylum. Here comes the music. Welcome to the cigar asylum. 
Did you know I'm utterly insane? We all go a little mad sometimes. Where logic and reason cease to exist. All right, Abe, who belongs in the Cigar Insane Asylum today? All right, well, I have not read this one, so this should be fun. Uh, this week's inductee had probably had too much time in quarantine. A Korean YouTuber named Shin Tai II, known for playing video games with his viewers live, has taken his hobby to a new height. Shin Tae took a challenge set by one of his viewers. If he wasn't in first place for the next game, he would have to set his underwear on fire for five seconds. What? Shin Tae, unfortunately, did not finish in first place for the game. After leaving the screen, the YouTuber returned only in his underwear with the help of lighter fluid lit his pants on fire. His underwear. His underpants. Unfortunately, his first attempt did not last long enough and being a man of his word, he made a second attempt. After dousing more lighter fluid on his nether regions, the YouTube star set his crotch ablaze for five seconds and fell out of the frame, screaming in agony. He returned with an ice pack and soon ended the broadcast. He later commented that he went to the hospital and was treated for second-degree burns. Yeah, you are, without a doubt, this week's inductee into the cigar. There's a video of it, too. But the the news articles posted, like, a four-hour-long video, and I couldn't clip it, so... We, you have to scroll all the way to the end, like the last five minutes, uh, if you want to see a guy set his crotch on fire. You could say he's nuts. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, wow. That is, that is, that had a lot of balls to do that, huh? <laughs> Not anymore. You got no, any more? Fair enough. Oh, poor guy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what a show. Fatherhood. He's not going to go through fatherhood anytime soon. <laughs> that brings a new meaning to Yotengo El Fuego y mi pantalones. <laughs> wow. Uh, Mike, so you got any big plans for the weekend, buddy? Man, I have electricity and <laughs> That's my family. Yeah. That's my plan. I'm going to hang out, spend some time with them, really do, do a whole bunch of nothing, leave how, my phone off. How long were you without power? We lost it Tuesday about noon. All right, but fine. and uh, we got it back last night. Did, did did so? Did you have any generators, or were you stuck without? Yeah, no, I, I have a generator. We got that going uh, late Tuesday night, so that was able to keep. Uh, we didn't run it overnight because that just makes me nervous. But we had mm-hmm. uh, we had the fridge going. We had a couple outlets so we could charge things. Hot water heater, thank God, so we could at least take nice showers. And mm-hmm. so it wasn't torture. It was you know just inconvenient. How about AC? No AC. That was inconvenient. Yeah. But it hasn't oh. been that hot up up here. I mean, it was like 70, 72 yesterday here, at least on Long Island. It really wasn't. It's yeah, not that bad. It's Wednesday, humid. Wednesday was hot uh, and Thursday was swampy. But at night it cooled down a little. We, we made the best of it. You know, I've never slept in the basement yet. So that was a nice experience. <laughs> <laughs> nice and cool down there. It was perfect. My wife was like, is it comfortable down here? I was like, compared to the beds in Nicaragua, yes. Compared to the beds upstairs, no. Wow. Was it the whole family in the basement? Um, no, me and the the girls really wanted to do it, so I stayed down with them. Oh. Yes. Quality. That's the thing here. It gets it gets cool at night. That is one nice thing. In Florida, it stays as hot, and you know the humidity always goes up to ninety percent. Yeah, it's brutal. Curls up your hair, Paul. 
Oh, of <laughs> course, yes. On my beard, which I haven't shaved because the battery died in my uh, beard trimmer and it is now dead. Now, you talk- that means I've been here too long. You want to talk about an industry that people haven't thought about that's gotten whacked by COVID. It's the barbershop. So oh, yeah. Ain't nobody getting stuff done. They're growing beards. They're growing hair. Long I'm getting hair. backyard haircuts. I was just talking with my partner in the barbershop, man. They're doing like 50% of business at best. At oh, best. Geez. Yeah, well, you know, nobody, nobody, no one has to go to work or be in an office anymore. No one's getting groomed. I was so shocked with how many people who I thought never would have a beard had beards and facial hair. Because, I mean, when do you get the chance to right. just, like, try it out, you know? It was, I just, it was wild. Well, there's that old school mentality where, you know, you wake up every morning and you shave and you go to work. And all of a sudden, people had to stop, you know, going to work. So, you know, that shave process just got cut. Showering at 3 p.m. You, you don't even wash your face in the morning. What are you talking about? I, I usually shower every morning before I go to work, but since I've been working from home, I kind of just get up, get get the kids settled for breakfast, do that, and then log on to my computer, you know, in my pajamas. And then I usually around two or three o'clock, I'm like, oh my god, this is awful, I got to shower. So I take a I take a quick break, take a shower, and get back to work. I gotta wash my face in the morning, otherwise I just don't feel like I woke up. Yeah. Yeah. Shower first, man. That's yeah. Maybe Coop. coffee, but shower. Coop, people are calling for you to grow a beard. Evan <laughs> Darnell. Um, it ain't going to happen. Um, <laughs> it just won't work with what I do outside cigars. Oh, all right. Yep. There you go. Yeah. yeah. All right. Anyway, Mike, thank you for being here, man. Yeah. Um, we look forward very much to seeing what you're doing in the future. Absolutely. And uh, when you figure that out, let us know. And guess what? We'll, do. we'll talk about it. Awesome. We'll have another whole conversation. I mean, the world is your oyster, man. Go get it. Yeah, we're calling we're calling dibs on the first interview if uh, anything comes to fruition as far as future work. So I'm calling it now. Got it. Got Sorry. it. We'll, we'll redo it. Sorry, Coop. You sure you well, won't well, give it well, to well, that big well, magazine well, well, he loves? We'll make the press release before that. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly how it does work. Coop makes yeah, the yeah. press release. We get him on the show. Yeah, yeah. That's what you happens. got my you got my word. We'll do it. Oh, I know. <laughs> Excellent, fantastic. We got next week. We got anybody next week? Uh, Paul? I got a, I got a TBD written here. <laughs> wow, Paul, you just suck at your job. <laughs> oh, Aren't very... you Coop? He seems to be getting everybody on his show. <laughs> I do. I do. <laughs> well, we got eight. We got eight. By the way, the following a week from Thursday. So yeah. Dude, yeah, yeah, man. I'm yeah. shocked. The I'm, in-depth, oh, the in-depth I forgot in-depth about that. The yeah, I'm not on Coop's show too often, so it's I'm excited. We uh. We have, uh, yeah, we've been fortunate. Um, people have time right now, which is good. And uh, I want, I know Abe wanted to be, we wanted to get Abe on too. It's not like that. So you were on with Skip, but we haven't had you solo. So yeah, well, it'll be interesting. I'll try to keep it lively. Yeah, I'll try oh, to. Keep that'll it. definitely be a fun show. Absolutely. Make sure you have some Bloody Marys. Yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> that seems to be the popular thing now. Oh, there, people are loving when you're drinking those Bloody Marys, man. Yeah. You get very they, animated. They, they were liking who was bringing Abe of the Bloody Marys. I That's think. what I think it was. But yeah, I think that uh, was what was going on. Yeah, she just got a full time job too. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, I'm, yeah, she's. Uh, I mean, we had no bar again. I mean, poor yeah. girl. I mean, you no. Know? So yeah, she just texted us. She got a full time job, and I, I think she'll come back if if we ever open up. You know, you she's know, great. it's just she's a great girl. Been with us the longest behind the bar. So yeah, 
hopefully, look, we were on the phone this week with the um, Secretary of the, De uh, Bus the Department of Business and Professional Regulation and one of the representatives here for the state of Florida, and we had long talks with him about how, you know, it's really funny because the problem with cigar bars is the laws have just kind of worked around a niche business that wasn't there that really dealt with them, right? Because we're not nightclubs. We're not bars. We are retailers, but we have bars, but they don't want to look at us as retailers. We have lounges. So when they, these laws come out, we really fall in like cracks. So um, we, we, we had really a nice long, like I mean, 30 minute discussion, which is a long time when you're talking to, you know, a representative. Yeah. Yeah. So um, they literally during the conversation says, you know, Hey, look, we might have something here. So give us a couple of days. So we're, we're hoping to at least open up the lounges you know, soon. And then, you know, the, the bar side, God knows when that's going to happen. And are, are you, are you established for distance and have you sort of like reset floor plan a little to create more space? We had, we had half our furniture removed, signage, yeah, that's great. Stuff, but they still came in and shut us down. Mike, they should, they came in, they walked to the store about 14 people about two, three weeks ago and basically kicked everybody out and shut us down. And now we are allowed to operate as cash and carry, but you know, it's hurt businesses, especially because there are, there are stores in operation around us who do not have bars who have kind of been under the radar and have still had lounges open. Mm. You know I mean? I want to go and hang out with guys and have a cigar. I don't want to, you know, grab, you know, if I'm restocking my humor. That's one thing, but a large portion of our business is guys who want to get together and socialize. And of course, moment. yeah. And that, just, that's just be in the same place with other people doing the same thing. Yeah. 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 That's been taken away from us. So that's been a big, big struggle for us in the brick and mortar side. But your your response to this, I mean, you are you are really one of the greatest retailers in this industry. You know that your ability to respond and pivot and think differently and create subscriptions and cigar of the month and and online yep. perfs and all. I mean, you know, if if people in our industry, if there's anyone they should learn from, it's you. Uh, thanks, Mike. And, but yep. it takes it takes full on commitment. You know, you can't do it half. You got to be all in. And you have been all in as long as I've known you from this show to it's just you're always on. You're always building your business. And it's it's really inspiring to watch. Thanks. Well, we got we got big plans for the Great Smoke 2021. I mean, like big plans. We've already had like mega, mega meetings and with some really, really talented people um, who are flying in to help us put together. And if we pull off what we hope to pull off in next February, because right now it's definitely looking like we just probably won't have a physical event February and yeah. we're, we're getting plan B in full effect prepared for that decision. When that time comes, it's not official yet, but we don't want, you can't, but you know, the problem is with something like this, you can't start the process by the time you have to make a final decision, you know, by that time it's kind of too late. So yeah. we got to prepare doing it both ways until a decision is made but if we end up doing it, you know, not in a physical format, I think we, we I think if we keep going the way we're going, we might make some cigar history come next February. That's awesome. I'm a little bit excited about it. Yeah, I'm a little bit excited about it. Oh, yeah. Going to be a great time and everyone will be there. Uh, well, at some point next week, uh, we will announce who our guest <laughs> is. If Paul ever books anyone or actually does his job. I think we should have Coop because it's his 10 year anniversary. I'm going to be on anyway, though. <laughs> Calm down, Coop. 
<laughs> the, the voice did get a little high pitched there, but you know, as much as much as that's a cop out from Paul because he completely can't, can't doesn't want to do anything. It's not a bad idea for a show. No, I, I have I books. have some potentials. The the problem is even though everybody's available, it seems like nobody wants to do six of these in a week. Obviously, so it, it, that's been my my biggest hurdle. It was really easy. Like the week of, I could get it's somebody really to come funny, on. Because when I ask people, they say yeah right away. Because they're afraid of you, usually. They're not afraid of Mike. Are you Whatever afraid it of takes. <laughs> well, I'm not saying. <laughs> no, but I was. I was. I was actually thinking of this this morning. I remember the first trade show I went to, walking by Drew Estate and seeing the big acid wall, and seeing your your picture <laughs> for the yeah. mink. And I was like, I was, I was like, that is the bad genie from Aladdin. <laughs> like yes. real and in life but i i didn't know you were a real person i just thought you were in an ad and later me. that day or or the next day i actually saw you on the floor and i was like oh my god he's real <laughs> i was absolutely petrified i didn't know what to say i, I you know i was like just I, I then i learned who you were and i was like oh my god this guy's so scary what am i gonna do and then I can't remember who was a Davidoff dinner or an out to this dinner or something, but we, we met maybe a year later and, uh, and I was like, Oh God, Oh God, Oh God. Uh, hi. I mean, and you're like, Hey, how are you, man? So good to meet you. And I was like, this guy isn't scary. Like, who is, I was like, I was a little let down. I thought you were going to be like, but turns you've out never worked, you've the, never worked for him. Sweetest guys I've ever met. <laughs> Okay, now that is the classic story that we have to end the show with. Uh, Till next week when we decide actually who's going to be on the show, guess what? Uh, we'll find out later because Paul can't do his job right. But till then and as always, keep it lit. Keep it lit, Thanks, everybody. Guys. Thank you for having me.